You're listening to Trash on the Tube. You're welcome, Keith. One of Us is a podcast and video network funded all but entirely by donations and subscriptions. We do accept pitches for audio-based or banner ads, but on a case-by-case basis. If you're interested in that, contact us at oneofusnet at gmail.com. With the amount of audio and video content we generate, it is expensive and extremely time-consuming to keep things running. Please go to the webpage oneofus.net and sign up for a subscription at 2 5 10 or $25 and get a ton of bonus content. One of us needs and appreciates all your support. I can't believe you thought Mel Brooks produced a porno. You what? dummy, you sat and watched it and you didn't see his name anywhere and you're like, Oh, this doesn't seem odd at all that there's full penetration. And, you know, the uh, I guess I don't know all of Mel's work. I thought that he was being very liberal. was like, you know what? I can help out some, you know, porn director wanting to produce his film. Yeah, let me help him out. So and it, was, acci- it was cheeky and it was oddly kind of funny. But you accidentally bought a porno. Yes. Right. I... I, Is this I, the first time you've ever paid for porn and it was because it was an accident? N- no. Oh, well, accident, yes. But on no, paid for a porno? No, I've, I've bought porno before. Like DVDs? Porno? Yeah, back in like Beta high Maxes? school. Have you ever been to New Fine Arts? New Fine Arts. Uh, I remember the commercials. sponsor of Trash in the Can. I remember the radio commercials. I've never been. It's a sad place. I'm sure. It's just like, uh, like it's just, you know, people like us. And uh, right, like I only have been in those shops when I've been in a relationship and I'm with the person because I would never go in solo. See, I I felt like anytime I've been there and it's only been like a handful of times that (laughs) a handful, huh? (laughs) Uh, I didn't know it was even that much. (laughs) Well, new find. I mean, maybe like three in my life. Any porn shop. I've been to like other porn shops just because like I was so curious to see what the hell was going to be like. I mean, hell, there's one across the street from my apartment, which tells you what neighborhood I live in. Wait, what? That hustler place that opened up. It's uh, next to. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've I've been there, I think. uh, Yeah, we've been in there just to sort of look around. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's always the person working there is always super chill because they work at a porn shop. Well, at least in Austin that I've seen, they've always been kind of like, yeah, whatever. And, yeah, and I mean, if anything, they they're actually more helpful. Like, huh, so what? What are you into? Yeah, what do you like to crank it to? I'm but like, I mean, um. that's their job. They work at yeah. a porn shop. I assume if you were uncomfortable with that, you wouldn't work there. I know the economy's bad. <laughs> <laughs> I in Dallas, it always seemed like yeah, there was this ounce of shame. But I always felt like the best person at a porn shop in Dallas. I can assure you, you were. <laughs> I'm sitting across from you. And I can say with confidence that that is not true. From the man who accidentally bought a porno. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you're the only person I've met that accidentally bought pornographic material. If the past, like, if the like the the childhood me heard, like, wait, you accidentally bought porn? Man, you must be rich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Something to aim for, kids. <laughs> And welcome again to Trash on the Tube, where we watch bad TV because we throw loose change rather than rice at weddings. Oh, wow. Yeah, and we'll explain that. Uh, should we? No, nah, maybe not. Because now that's, that's very... <laughs> well, they don't know that yet, though. 
Uh, so I'm Eric Samaniego, and with me, as always, is the Thurgood Marshal to my George Thurgood, Wright Sulek. George Thurgood was the guy who wrote uh, and performed Bad, oh. Bad to the Bone. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you know, whatever. Fuck you. Uh, <laughs> so we haven't done one of these in a while, and uh, we're getting together. It's after Christmas, before New Year's, that sort of dead period that yeah. we all experience. We got nothing going on. Yeah, so we're doing it again. <laughs> Otherwise, you may we're, not have gotten an episode. Yeah, we were bored, and we we're like, I guess we should do a trash on the tube. And also, in uh, remembrance of a uh, TV icon who passed recently, Norman Lear at 101. Who? <sighs> we're not going to do that. I did see Is that... Is related to Phyllis Diller? It was... Shut up. Uh, they did work together. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, oh, TMZ? Oh, like construction? Or? But TMZ released... I saw a headline, and it was, uh, Norman Lear's cause of death revealed. He was 101. Unless it <laughs> what was... What they a, say is like... He died. Yeah, it was like natural causes. And I don't know why it was a headline. Like, unless he had been, if he died on an oil rig fire, then it'd be, it would be news. I don't want to know anyone's, like, uh, like cause of death unless it was, well, unless it was, like, gnarly. Like, uh, well, yeah. Well, also, I, I, I tend to, if it's a celebrity, I wait and I Google it. And that's also when you, when somebody just dies and you Google, that's the first suggestion if you type their name well, in. And that, and also it takes time for the co- uh, cause of death to come out. Right. So it's always it's like, cause of death? It's like, who knows? Yeah. It might be drugs. He was 101. Wouldn't he be doing the barbarian invasions like all of us would? Yeah. I mean, I'm... if you're 101, horse all the way, right? I mean, you're already, I assume, taking plenty of medications and drugs. Yeah. And he died with a, a needle in his arm uh, <laughs> after he killed Nancy Spungen. He died uh, <laughs> tied off. Norman Lear. Yeah, Norman Lear. <laughs> it's really fucked up how he went. <laughs> the, so Norman Lear. Oh, but is... Norman Lear died. Icon, creator of uh, so many classics. He changed the face of television. In Family the... and all. And okay. uh, he I, did the I, Time's I, Good. I now know that this is uh... going to be an annoying episode. <laughs> because you're going to pretend to be as ignorant as you often are. As in some of the characters in this show. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, but so it's uh, 704 Hauser Street. Or excuse me, 704 Hauser Hauser, yeah, and yeah. it's uh, the address of Archie Bunker's home and all in the family. Which, if you're like a diehard fan, would know off the top of your head. I think the title was one of the things that maybe didn't help the show. Um, yeah, I would say so. I mean, uh, I, I I don't really know what else they could have called it, but uh, but yeah, we were talking about this while we were watching it. Is like, does it suffer from being because? You had to tell me all the different spinoffs of All in the Family, which I was kind of flabbergasted right. by. And this how was many. the final one. It was in 1994. 94. Wow. Um, but like, does it suffer from being compared to all the, or connected to All in the Family because of the the streets and being a spinoff? Right. So it's a black family living yeah. in the home that Archie Bunker and his family occupied in All in the Family, yeah. and it's the same set. Because mm-hmm. uh, Norman Lear had it in storage. Yeah, same, and that was same furniture and everything. One of the motivators for creating the show in that setting was right. he still had the set in storage and was like, well, I've been paying to keep it all these years. Maybe I should use it. Which is weird. I'm surprised the Smithsonian didn't just take it. Well, so they don't always have room for that stuff. Like they have like the planes and shit. Yeah, exactly. Muppets. You know, Spirit of St. Louis. Spirit. Who? Apparently that Phyllis guy. Phyllis Diller's I mean, corpse. He, he was a Nazi. She, they actually do have Phyllis Diller's um, uh, joke files, and I helped transcribe she was Canadian? them. Anyway, <laughs> uh, but so this was after a long break of Norman uh, not doing television because he had moved into 
you know, raising money for left-wing causes uh, during the rise in the early 80s of evangelical Christianity in politics. Right, yeah. So you created the organization, the People for the American Way, uh. and uh, bought a copy of the Constitution that was up for auction. So I remember you telling me about that. Tour yeah. around the country so people could actually see it. Mm-hmm. Um, but this was his return. He created it. Uh, he co-wrote the first episode. He was the showrunner. Yep. And uh, it stars John Amos, who was in Good Times. He was the dad on Good Times. And they had a poor working relationship back then because he had that character killed off the show. Uh, but they were working together on this. And so, well, right, what is the premise of this? The premise is, like, it's it feels like uh, just uh, the mirror image of All in the Family, but again with the uh, black family. And uh, John Amos plays Ernest uh, Cumberbatch, the whitest name on earth. Yeah. Which, sorry, I don't, it, it sounds very white. If I told you someone's name was Ernest Cumberbatch, you would think some just fusty uh, British guy. Well, I would think of uh, the guy who was Sherlock, uh, Benedict. Benedict. Cumberbatch. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, his, you know, brother, Ernest. Oh, well, brother. <laughs> okay. Hey, uh, <laughs> look, I'm controversial just like Norman Lear's work. <laughs> just like him. Challenging. Um, and uh, it's challenged. <laughs> It's his family, and uh, and the the idea is is that his son is a right wing conservative, and uh, Ernest, the dad, is liberal. Now, okay, that's where the it, the, the premise yeah. is told to us about that. Like, and you told me about it. Like, oh, that's that's the shtick is that it's kind of the opposite of All in the Family, where right. Archie was crazy right wing, and then uh, this... Meathead was uh, left wing, and so they did flip a little bit, but. You you gather very quickly that that's not a hundred percent what it is, and it mm. makes it a, a very different show in a lot of ways. Right? Because uh, uh, Thurgood uh, or Goody, as he's called, the son, he is dating Morna uh, Mora Tierney um, in like her one of her first roles, really. I think so. Yeah. Um, she is playing his girlfriend, and uh, obviously she's white. And uh, all my ER fans out there, it's the whitest show on earth. Uh, it was very white. Uh, oh yeah. Um, and she is Jewish now. Uh, and then, uh, uh, what is her name? Uh, Lynn Godfrey as Rose is, uh, uh, Ernest's wife. And, and she's no, like, uh, in the way that Edith sort of offset Archie's pigheadedness yeah. with her being very sweet and understanding. I mean, her character is also a godly woman. Yes. And we get that. And this is something that you pointed out and that is evident in the show is that the characters, even from you know, the first line of dialogue, are so clearly defined. Everyone. And their motivations are always clear. It's really like classic good story structure, character. Yeah. The character development. Okay. So this is going to be one of the, like, we we, we liked uh, the Martin Short show for all, some of its flaws and all that. Right. This, I think, is genuinely a good show. It's, uh, yeah, it's very different. Yeah. Uh, Definitely, for, I don't know why we're doing this. <laughs> so. Well, that's the thing is because it was like, okay, Norman Lear just died. What were some of the, his stinkers? And he definitely had some stuff that you know didn't last. Mm-hmm. But this sounded the most interesting to me. It totally And did, only yeah. six episodes, apparently only five aired. We were able to watch all six yeah. and on, online. I, this is the first time I was like, I was glad to watch it because it it breezes by. Like, oh, yeah, I mean, yeah. so, you know, it's 22 minutes, a regular old sitcom. And uh, 
but the the dialogue, the the acting, the and, and it's again, very stage bound in the way that all of Norman Lear stuff was, yeah. and particularly in the first episode, the pilot, Meet the Cumberbatches, yeah. which was directed by Norman Lear. Yes, yeah, and that feels the most in its blocking, like an episode of All in the Family, where people stand up and they pace, and it feels there's areas of where they're always like, you know, come over here, talk to me, and like they're going to the the it's, coffee table. Let's go it's to the dynamic. Kitchen. It's very dynamic, and so that's how and you it, get around being in one set all the time and that's why something like the honeymooners lost its audience with one season because it was in one drab little apartment right but all in the family has this dynamic choreography like paul bogart was the lead director on the original series and he is a veteran of theater yeah and so that show has a very theatrical feel and everyone in their blocking is also telling you what their motivation is. The way that they turn to or either get up and leave the room uh-huh. and go to another section. Like there, there are it's always moving. For why exactly. Doing it. There's never in this show even a movement yeah. that is not thought out. And you don't see that on TV shows. Like contemporaries of this show, 94 yeah. would have been friends, Seinfeld, mad about you. And it's a very 90 sitcoms that were popular were a very different breed. And right. so I think this was just out of fashion. It, it was it was out of fashion, which is I think a lot of people were more into just, uh, you know, stand around and talk kind and of thing. escapism. Like, yeah. And, and think about like friends, uh, like there's mainly two sets. There's a central perk and the apartments. Right. And a lot of the times, like let's take, for instance, central perk. They're mainly just sitting on the couch. Right. The and camera's talking. doing all the work. And yeah, and the camera's doing all the work and then just the, the bitty uh, banter back or bitty? Witty. Uh witty I've had a drink. Uh the bitty banter. And um but with this is they make use of it's the kitchen and the living room and maybe the uh, the parents' bedroom like once or twice. Right. But like yeah, the living room and the dining area yeah. feel very distinct in the way the original show did, yeah. where if an argument starts in the living room, somebody's gonna get up and we're gonna end up in the dining area. Or or the or, kitchen, just like we're gonna speak just the two of us. God. Yeah. Or do that thing that happens in theater where, okay, I need to talk to you. So the characters just move downstage. Right. Closer yeah. to the audience. And we're just... As if they're whispering. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And so that's another thing about the show that I really love. Yeah, yeah. I love... it. it yeah, it, it... it Shows like this, it makes me... Uh, yeah, it makes me miss watching live theater. And uh, it's like, oh, I, I love this kind of uh, presentation of, uh, of, of characters and dialogue. And, uh, and I just love watching something like this where you see the blocking. Like, it's all motivated by their emotions of what they're going through at that moment. Mm-hmm. And it all makes nothing feels like artificial at all. And uh, yeah. I, this is a very strange episode already. Cause we're just like, Oh yeah, this was kind of great. Now there are flaws. Cause sure. The biggest one is, um, is the, the concept of the show is like, Oh, uh, Ernest is going to be just like a, a bleeding heart liberal. And uh, and he's always like, God damn it, my you know conservative son, Jesus, we're like, what are right. you doing? Well, okay, so John, almost his character is not necessarily he's liberal, but he's also very racist. Yeah, so he's still a bigot. He's still and, a bigot, and he's a, a blustery kind of. He can get worked up. He has a cigar, a lot like Archie. Mm-hmm. So he has those characteristics. And actually, there's something about that I appreciate. And I know it does make it harder where in the old show, and, well, the old show, the only character you could really identify as somebody you could really sympathize with all the time was Edith. Because mm-hmm. even Mike, 
part of that show, him being the liberal, he's also kind of a limousine liberal. He it's pointed out that he has flaws right. in his his own belief system. Right. And so in this show, he's identified as liberal by his son, who is, you know, this is part of the 90s rise of right-wing talk radio. Rush Limbaugh had a TV show. Yeah. Like it was the cu- the culture was moving right at least uh, in media. And and Clinton was in office. Yeah, Clinton was so, in office. Like, they yeah. were just like up in arms. Like I can't believe this hillbilly hick, sure, uh, who is a Democrat, got in the office, and he, you know, he's a flanderer and all these kind of things. Right. Like, I can't believe this is fucking happening to our country. But so the stuff that is left leaning about John Amos's character is Which mostly, I mean, and what I think is the it's nuance. Like, fuck religion. Well, so kind it's, of. it's yeah. So the nuance here is that he's. Uh, Clearly got problems with organized religion, mm-hmm. even though his wife is a very godly woman and she has tr- trouble with his, you know, uh, down coming down on her church because they go to church every Sunday. Yeah. And he'll talk about how the church isn't really doing anything and they're just lip service, yada, yada, yada. Yeah. Uh, and the other stuff about the black experience. He's very part of the uh, civil rights era yes. left wing black uh, citizen that was these are the problems that we've faced and this is the way the system is broken. Right. Which is a conversation that we're still having trouble articulating, certainly in uh, mainstream American comedy. I right now. Well, no, I mean, that's what I mean, right <laughs> well, now. Oh, no. You and I, yeah. <laughs> uh, but no, yeah, but exactly. So, so it's all those things make him left-leaning. And maybe when they were trying to describe the show to the you know press, it was easier to like, oh, it's a reverse of All in the Family, but it's right. more nuanced than that because his dad is still bigoted because... He has a problem with his son dating a Jewish woman, oh, oh, mainly a, a white woman, and then but he being does Jewish he on does, top yeah, of it. Yeah, throw around like, some Jewish slander, like the bangers of like uh, not it, no slurs, no no slurs, but the I, like okay in the uh, intro, Jesus. I mentioned where they're ta- he and his wife are talking about weddings, Jewish wedding, and if what if they get married, you know, our son and this woman, yeah, and he goes, well, I, like, some of the, I don't even know if they throw rice, they throw loose chains, and you know something like that, maybe loose change, like yeah, and. The audience is like, whoa! And and this is, we also commented that uh, this is the best live audience I think we've ever heard. Because, or at least... On the show. On the show. Uh, it is, that they're like really into it. Uh, and like, there's a lot of times where you can actually hear chatter like, uh-oh. Like, oh, yeah. People are or like somebody commenting. whistle like, ooh? Yeah, yeah. And people commenting throughout it. It was like, this is wild. I've never seen this before. So some of that... It, and that also feels very 70s, where you can audibly hear people say words in the audience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's, that means, and that's the thing is, it, they're so engaged. Yeah. And that's what's puzzling is, I guess, the, the world at large, at least American television, wasn't engaged with this content anymore. But the people yeah. in the audience seem warmed up. And it isn't a laugh track. They're definitely responding in real time. Oh, yeah. And I think, to like what you were saying even earlier, like what was big at the time, it was a lot of white shows. And so this being yeah. on a network and this being about a black family, they're kind of like, oh. I definitely think that would have had something to do I, I with it. I think it's a big part of it. Because the fact that the Cosby show and was it's the also num- been so long since All in the Family. And I think people were kind of like, huh? Uh, yeah. Like, they weren't really like, into that anymore? I they, mean, they uh, wanted something except maybe for easier. nostalgia. Yeah, yeah, and because it was in syndication, but you know, um, taste had changed. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you should say so. The Cosby Show was the number one show for a period in the eighties and early nineties in America. But really, outside of that, can you think of another show that was such a mainstream breakout hit with 
white audiences that was predominantly black, and I can't really think of one. I mean, one. Fresh Prince uh, is like the only other show that I can really and that was, think of. Yeah, like and, a top 10 show in the 90s. Uh, Martin. Um, but I mean, like someone like Martin was on, uh, what's that, UPN? It was on Fox. It was on Fox. It was on Fox for a while, and okay. then it went to UPN. Okay, gotcha. And uh, at least I pretty sure it was but but it's one thing that i think influenced but that wasn't for like families it was more for right. just like young adults watching you know uh regular sitcoms and those and shows were also escapist right yeah this was no. a show that was not like anything else in the landscape at the time and no there really hasn't been in the as far as sitcoms shows like that since this this is this was very biting like there's a few times even like yeah you and i were kind of like not necessarily clutching pearls, but we we're trying to look for them. And, right. Uh, I, like, wow. I noticed like, whenever there was something like that, one of us would look at the other with sort of a <gasps> look on our faces like, I can't believe that just happened. Yeah, because at first we were like, oh, this is like wrong place at the wrong time. Like it, it could have killed right now. I was like, oh, God, I wonder what would happen if this was on television night right now. Because then it feel like that it, it would have been canceled earlier. Because, I mean, it could be kind of offensive with what sure. uh, 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 Ernest is saying to Maura Tierney's character, which or he, always, he always confuses her name. Uh, oh, it's yeah. It's like Cheryl Lynn, I think is her yeah, name. She, yeah. yeah, and he's like Carolyn, and Carol, he's constantly, yeah. and he goes, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Which is a very archy thing to do. Yeah, but uh, anyway, so let's let's talk about... Uh, so the, I guess the pilot. The pilot, at least. Meet uh, the Cumberbatches, and this one is also the only one that features a character from All in the Family, which I, right. it, it seems out of place. And I guess because it was the pilot, they needed some connective tissue and wanted the audience to really understand. Yeah, he was, I, I really thought, like he was the only thing throughout the entire show, uh, the six episodes, that was completely unnecessary. Yeah, it, which I, I'm glad he didn't show up again. Yeah, because all the other like ancillary characters or side characters that do pop in here and there, all of them had a fucking point and it drove the plot. Right. It like I I will say this again, it's like I, I was so happy with how like every single thing that was happening and being said was driving the plot mainly out of the characters' emotions and feelings towards whatever conflict was going on. Right. And it was like, this is fucking brilliant writing. Like, yeah. it's it's so well done. There's never a moment where you're, when you're confused about what the character wants. How no. they want to achieve it. Yeah. And it's it's truly, and it's all very domestic. It's not about like, you know, like, oh my God, someone was hurt or whatever. Like, it's right. all just very like, I don't like this sort of thing because, and we already know who each of the characters are pretty quickly. Yeah. Because like, I don't like that. And you understand why they don't like it. And they are like steadfast, like, no, God damn it. Like, this right. is the right thing to do. Yeah, in there's eyes. no changing of opinions or anything. Until, it's just, you know, they realize, like, oh, wait, the error in my ways. Right. And even then, it's not that the character at all changes because that's not how people are. Yeah. But they can resolve conflict. It's usually out of love. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So, yeah, the first episode, sorry. Oh, uh, well, so, yeah, we meet uh, the characters. It opens with um, we have the son, Goody, with his girlfriend. And this is where we learn who they are pretty quickly because yeah. they're home alone. She really wants to get a piece. She wants that D. And uh, he says, you know, I don't want to be a hypocrite. I preach abstinence to the teens that I work with. Yeah, they're in their early 20s. They're in college. Yeah, they're college kids. Yeah, yeah. And so he works with uh, teen youth and he's uh, promoting abstinence only. And she really wants it. And she has a line that says, boy, don't we dispel myths about black men and Jewish women. Because, you know, the stereotype is Jewish women don't like to have sex and black men do. 
Oh, yeah. Right. And so. Man, that took me a minute. Yeah. <laughs> Till just now. So I guess a couple I am of hours. Of yeah. those <laughs> Whether a black man or a Jewish woman. Well, you could have fooled me with the Jewish woman part. <laughs> You've got real uh, Yenta vibes. But uh, we then. Papa, can you hear me? Coming home from church is John Amos and uh, Lynn, uh, Rose, his wife Rose. And uh, we get a she's sense of him too. Pissed. Yeah, she's mad at him because he's been criticizing the way, like he's rolling his eyes at the church. And what we gather is it's a very, like, almost Pentecostal kind of mm-hmm. big, raucous, like well, we're they're giving money and all. Yeah, that and it's shit. like, and he's yeah. saying that you know we're drowning in a sea of uh, what is it, debt, and the, there's the country and so many people out of work, and they're still asking for money. And she's like, "You don't mess with my church. This was part of the deal when we got married." And he's ragging on it. Yeah, and so. Is it? We're talking. Maybe this is not even five minutes into the pilot, and we fully understand who the characters are and what they want. Yeah, all, all, like everyone's coming in like a fucking rocket, and it's just like, whoa! Yeah. I, I can't believe. And there's just you, yeah, like you understand immediately who everyone is, and it's that sounds really easy. It sounds really to easy. say it out loud, but it is something that almost. And I know it's it, and it was effortless. Yeah. It was crazy. It, and it's like, one of the better pilots I've seen of any show, even shows that I love that yeah. grew into something really great. Right. Like it's um it's like the same way that I feel like even like with Seinfeld that maybe they really they understood themselves maybe in the like second or third episode in, but like you got like maybe the um the the Chinese restaurant. Like that's like when it it takes a second for most shows to crystallize. Yeah. And, that and that's like, I get everyone. And that's in this not now. a bad thing. No. But, but this, this show like, is right out of the gate. And it, that's something, again, a testament to a Norman Lear. Uh-huh. So the pilot to All in the Family. So there's two pilots and then the first episode of the show. But you understand, and I've seen the pilots, and you understand immediately who everybody is. Yeah. And there's not any sort of doubt as to what they want. And it's not that the characters don't change over long periods. Because the show, that's one of the things. Like, the characters grow and change. Archie softens. Uh-huh. But you always have that emotional core of who this person is and what they want. Mm -hmm. And so if you have that foundation, you can stretch characters and have them grow without them ever losing their identity. And that is incredibly hard to do. Yeah. Like even with shows that I love, I recognize that, okay, well they eventually become maybe not that character Yeah, or they become parodies of that character in a way. Right. And when shows are on for a long time, they just end up becoming like more devolved versions of like what they previously were. Yeah. Like I, I was never a friends viewer, but when uh, we were in town for Christmas uh, and we, we stayed at a hotel and we were sitting up when we got home and uh, you know, friends was on. Right. Because it's these days, it's like when we were kids and I love Lucy was just always on somewhere. Right. 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 So friends was on and We sat and watched a couple episodes and it was late series episodes and it just felt really shallow it does i mean joey is basically you know two brain cells kind of thing Yeah, he becomes a cartoon character yeah and uh and chandler is trying to do his best like you know woody allen and uh yeah and well him doing the neurotic uh woody allen and uh and Ross is like nebbish, just like, oh, what do I do? Also, God, I hate Ross. Uh, well, <laughs> anyway, yeah, we're getting too far. Yeah, right, right. But so um, the the whole idea of the pilot is that uh, uh, Thurgood has not told his parents that he, I guess, is dating. Uh, well, so they know that they're dating, 
but that they love each other. Oh, they like and yeah. they're they're They've taking that five months step and she's to like, being like in a serious committed relationship rather than dating. Yeah, and they think it's just like, well, this is just a passing thing. You know, our son yeah. is only dating a white person just to you know to Which shock us. Kind the of thing. mom is like, well, as long as my son's happy, but I'm a little uncomfortable with the idea of him marrying outside the faith. Because yeah, she's it, a devout it's, Christian. It's not a white thing. Yeah. It's not a racial thing. It's just like out of the, a faith thing, but. which is very also equally interesting. Yeah, and, and it's, then, it's a nuance that I feel like you wouldn't always get in that story. Yeah. In other places. And for Ernest, it's, it's like, definitely a white thing. Yeah, it's, like, it's white and also it doesn't help she's Jewish. Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, God damn. And like it's and it does not hold back at all. And I, I feel so bad for uh, <laughs> uh, Maura Tenney's character. Uh, Cheryl Lynn is just like, she's just standing there and I've never seen like a character with such grace who can fight back at times, but she is still taking a lot of this like, eh, okay. Yeah. And, and, and that character could have been like easy to write off and be sort of just this, well, you're a placeholder. We need you here to create conflict. Or, but or, she, or to, like to write off as like a, like an idiot. Yeah. That, that would have been such a, uh, like an injustice to but that character. She stands she's, up for herself, yes. but she also understands that she's in a complicated family dynamic and she really loves this guy. Mm -hmm. So she's trying to handle it. It, as you say, with grace and Laura Tierney really pulls it off. I've, you know, I know she was great in news radio. I grew up watching that yeah, show, yeah. but she handles this uh, like three camera sitcom with a plum with a character on paper that maybe wouldn't be that interesting. Yeah, I, and uh, and also at the same time, uh, like Thurgood Goody, he. He might be oddly the weakest character. Sure. Uh, well, because he's the easiest to paint, and and I know they they do shy away from painting him as just the butt of the joke because this show is clearly, even though it gives uh, airtime to the differing viewpoints, and yeah. the audience will sometimes clap at things that I'm surprised they're clapping at more conservative yeah, viewpoints. Yeah, there was, a, what was oh, about Anita Hill. Oh, and then God, I was like the sexual that harassment thing. But, that was crazy. But that also divided the country. And I feel like the majority of people were on the side of uh, Aristotle. Yeah. Yeah. That was wild. Which is, I, but they, but they have two characters, the two women standing up for Anita Hill. Mm -hmm. But when, uh, you know, uh, Thurgood says something about her being a, you know, just a, a woman scorned, all there's applause. And yeah. Stuff. Yeah. But so it's, it would be easy to make him a caricature because the show is still written with an eye to leftist politics for sure. Like you can tell, but they don't make him the butt of the joke. But I think that also sometimes, and maybe this would have changed had the show gone on. I think if they had allowed him to be maybe the butt of the joke more, it would have given another nuance to his character. Y yeah. Cause in a way like his constant dignity that they're giving him yeah. is uh, withholding some sort of character flaw that we get to see. Well, the, so th this is something else that we talked about where, we were watching it is that the, the biggest difference between this and all in the family where I think the, the, the whole comparison thing is not a hundred percent there other than it just being taken place in the same house. And it feels similar ish because like, Oh, the dad's a big end. Blah, blah, right. blah. And sometimes scenes will end with people arguing and it will fade to black. And that's right. a very classic all in the family thing that the, the, the funny thing about all in the family is that Archie, it, it, it's a satire and Archie is ultimately the butt of the joke because like we know as an audience, he's wrong. Right. And then there are times in this where like, well, I don't agree with what Ernest is saying a hundred percent and neither do I like a hundred percent agree with Thurgood, but then there are also moments like I kind of agree with both of their sides at the same time. Like it was very conflicting as an audience member to, to watch it. Cause mm -hmm. I mean, one it's, I think it's, it was deeply fascinating cause it was 
very down to earth, like with a lot of the topics they were talking about. I'm like, God, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I see the through line of like who ultimately is right mm -hmm. in the end, but I, both sides are arguing their points so well. And like, right. damn it, this is, it was a very challenging. And again, like you were saying earlier, I was like, uh, I think people wanted to be a little bit more complacent and just eat cotton candy. Like, just like watch well, Friends real quick. The and 90s, yeah, were especially in comedy and culture, pop culture, it was very, we were in a peacetime, economic boom was coming. Like that so whole, was Clinton. Well, ho, ho. Oh, yeah. Humana, humana, humana. Ooh, that's a Thank you, Mr. Joke. Jay Leno. <laughs> Uh, but uh, so I, I think that adversity breeds uh, like an audience for satire. Yeah. And we were in a period of economic comfort and uh, there was, you know, a war like, that wasn't affecting yeah, was us like, directly. What's, what's there to be angry about? Yeah, it was like we had, you know, Kosovo and some of those situations that we were getting involved in. Yeah. But this was pre 9-11. And uh, I'm going to sound like an old person, but we remember enough of what American culture was like before 9-11. Everything was perfect. Well, it was <laughs> it was it certainly different in the uh, the demarcation between right and left has only gotten deeper and bigger. And so that's something that I think is interesting. You said that you can kind of see where someone's coming from when they're arguing the right wing point of view in the show. And that's, that's what is sucks. Because yeah. things have changed so much yeah. and people have gone in s further directions away from each yeah. other that... I, it's also hard for me to see a show like this working because a lot of conservative, the base has moved so really far, far right. Yeah, that th they would not look at that character with realistic. any sympathy or re yeah, with yeah, realism. I, that, that's it's. It feels like at the time, maybe this show was ahead of its time. Sure. To a certain year, there was such a thing as reaching across the aisle. Yeah, and now if this was presented, I think both sides would kind of like. What the fuck well, is this? Well, they'd be angry because you'd be humanizing one side or the other and both. Yeah, exactly. And uh, I, it's it's it, it was having its cake and eat it too. And it earned it because it was like walking this fine line and yeah. it did it just so well. I would I, I haven't looked, but I want to see, you know, outside of Norman Lear, obviously the writers yeah. credited with this. What else they have done? Because this is of the like, especially of the 90s, some of the most deft handling of very sensitive topics and still making it amusing. And we were totally engaged the whole time. Oh yeah. Cause okay. There's, there's another episode where um, I thought, and it, it, I thought it was kind of a brilliant episode where um, uh, uh, Ernest uh, it's, it's Rose's birthday mm -hmm. and, um, and he's very, ex oh, it actually opens with uh, her like cleaning the house and she gets a knock at the door and then it's her sister and they do this really cute thing where they're speaking in French together and they did that as like, you know, as kids. And and I love that because it's that establishes that new character yeah. immediately. Yes. We understand their connection, the deepness of their connection. Right. That they have a little inside joke that, it's, and it's played beautifully. It's, it's beautiful. And uh, and like they come in, they're just like, oh my God, how is it going? And, and her sister, I forget her name, um, she is, Oh, uh, Jasmine. Jasmine. She's a little bit more well-to-do. Because the episode is called All That Jasmine. Oh. Uh, no, I don't like this show anymore. Um, <laughs> uh, but uh, she she is, you know, does very well for herself. In the past two months, she's been to Greece. She's been to uh, uh, Italy. She's been to, uh, to Africa. And she's like, you go to Africa? I'm like, oh, my God. And they're going back and forth. And uh, 
she, you know, uh, Rose is enamored with her. They love each other. Like, they're they're not mad at each other and like that at yeah. all. But, you know. And having... clearly one is working class, Rose. Yeah. And then Jasmine has done very well for herself. Right. And uh, and she's like, oh, uh, let me go upstairs um, to so I could surprise uh, Ernest when he gets home. I was like, okay, it sounds great. And Ernest comes in and is like, Rose, do you, don't you see like that a town car. town car outside? Like, man, I hope it's not Jasmine. And she's right there. And it's like, bah, bah, bah. right. And, um, and so it was like, why do you hate my sister so much? It's like, and I don't know exactly why. Well, so what I read into that, like she, she's rich because he's, like, he's jealous. He's, he's jealous. working yeah, class. Yeah. And, uh, what happens is Jasmine basically, so Rose and, uh, John Amos, uh, Ernie, are supposed to go to this place in Brooklyn, this romantic birthday. place for her birthday that they they used to go to. It was so they were gonna. He was gonna recreate uh, their, like their honeymoon. Right. Right. It's like the moment. Like they were gonna be in a car. They're gonna listen to this one song that they listened to, and uh, and they're gonna go to this uh, hotel in Brooklyn where their honeymoon was, and they're gonna bang. And, yeah. uh, and it's like, oh, my God, that sounds so romantic. That sounds great. And here comes Jasmine, and she offers to take Rose. She she Her gift is a plane ticket to Paris. Yeah. And so and this immediately been. sends Ernie into, uh, you know. The same weekend. Same weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And so there's a few things at work here where he's threatened yeah. by the fact that, you know, this that rich Jasmine person can and Jasmine provide. can provide, and he can't because we've established in multiple episodes they have financial trouble. Because the working class family, he's a mechanic. And so he feels like... And she's doing catering work on the side. Yeah. And so he's threatened because he can't provide the, what he would love to give his wife. And then also he is... insecure. is threatened. Yeah. And he's insecure because he feels like maybe she must look down upon him because he's poor. Sure. Yeah. He's got a chip on his shoulder about it. Right, right. For sure. And, and yeah, also it's like, but it's my wife and I wanted to take her out like to reminisce about, you know, when we right the happiest day of our lives. I don't and, get uh, to give her very much. And this is something I'd yeah, like to give, which her. Th- that was a great joke was like they're sitting on the couch together. He was about to present the gift to her. Uh, mm. And he's like, now, Rose, sit down real quick. Let's think back. What was the most romantic day of your life? And she starts laughing. Oh, like, yeah. <laughs> and he's like, yeah, yeah. I was like, oh, with you? Yeah. And that, oh, that was that was so well done. That too. was such and it was like perfect timing. They have great chemistry. They had fantastic chemistry. Yeah. I was like, oh my god! Is like, and then they talk about it their wedding. It feels very room. lived in. And again, that's something like straight out it's of the just, gate is hard to create. It's it's fucking good. And uh, and then the Jasmine thing happens and all that. And he is such a whiny little bitch about it. Like, yeah, yeah. He just go. He's like um, in the garage working on shit, and then he's like going to go to a poker game and lose all their money and. Uh, Cause like she's she's gonna go she's gonna go to the uh, Paris because he's like no no you go and here's the thing like that whole like reaction to all that situation I've totally done that before I know uh, <laughs> who are you talking to you've done that before haven't you of course I have oh man. we're men we're <laughs> weak little pieces of shit and man I, like that's emotionally fragile so fragile and it's just like. Oh, and I felt for uh, Ernie uh, so much. I'm like, man, that's tough because you're like, you really wanted to make, you wanted to do something special and uh-huh. then something objectively way better presents yep. itself. And I'm like, God fucking damn it. Yeah. Uh, like it's tough as shit. And then what ultimately happens? Like, Okay. So there is this fantastic scene, two scenes back to back where Rose is having an argument with Ernie about the situation and him mm. just like, Oh no, go with your sister. Like, and 
the, I'm not explaining it very well, but like the way that he explains it is um, basically about like, you know, I'm, I wanted to do something special for you because mm. I love you. And then she's like, well, you only like from her point of view, is like, well, you just want to do this for, like almost for yourself in a way. Right. And like, they, they have like really great arguments back and forth about this. And then Rose goes in and Jasmine's just like, Oh, that blow hard, blah, blah, blah. And the argument that Jasmine and Rose have of explaining back and forth, I'm like, I get both their sides as well. Yeah. And it was like, God damn it. How the fuck does this show do that? And like, it's, it's so well done. And ultimately of course, Ernest just like go, Dude, and he wants that for her. Yeah, he wants that for her. And it's it's a really sweet moment where well, this is the only moment, like the only moment where we're both kind of like, what the fuck just happened? Uh, they're they're in the car, like and and uh, and then Jasmine comes in into the garage and and uh, Ernest's like, no, she's gonna go with you to Paris. And like they're so happy, and you know Jasmine walks away, and then all of a sudden they're listening to the radio because he just fixed the car. And uh, their song comes on that they mm. talked about at the very beginning of the episode, and then uh, the, like they're getting kind of nuzzly with it and he starts he clicks the garage door and it's starting to go down and then for some reason i don't know why rose is like no henry no it's like no. Ernest, Ernest, what are you doing yeah you said it, no henry yeah is that because oh, you're no, used no. to saying no to your little <laughs> nephew like no henry no it's it's yeah uh and it was like is he about to rape his wife <laughs> i wish we could go one episode without you using the r word which one uh well so but yeah and um you know, we don't have to go into each of the episodes, but uh, there's a great that great episode where um, Thurgood and um, uh, Sherilyn have the house to themselves. Right. And she finally talks him into relenting and like finally having sex together. And but also she learns because she mentions like, I'm you know stuck with a 23 year, 23 year old virgin. And he's like, there's a pause. She's like, oh, my God. Yeah. So he's not a virgin. Yeah. And he, you know, lost it at 17. And she's like, well, how many times were you not a virgin? And, you know. Yeah. And he never says, but so he's clearly experienced well, and he, then he decided. Does this, he does this great thing, which is like old, like just fantastic comedy writing where he just like, he's like, it's like that many times. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that's fucking beautiful. But and so, you know, a few things happen. Uh, there's some casual, uh, well, not even casual. It's pointed uh, racism against Asian people. Because oh my it, god, because you know oh, uh, the the, the uh, Ernest and uh, Rose are going to go to a wedding. There, that's why they're, yeah, they're out, and, and so they get into alone. a car accident and they come back. And he is immediately you know coming and using all kinds <sighs> super of super hot, yeah, yeah, and saying man. some things about uh, immigrants and you know illegals. He's calling them, mm -hmm. and it turns out it's uh, Maura Tierney's friend, played by actress Lauren Tom. Yeah. Uh, she's a, now a well-known voice actor, but she shows up. It turns out it was her. I, I love the exchange, and I, I think that it was really well executed. You know, it and, was. It yeah. was just like it's still shocking to hear some of it that. It was stuff. very, like my sphincter was puckered. Um, wa like, and watching... that's just not from Christmas dinner. <laughs> uh, um, sorry, ice. That's his sphincter. <laughs> they like uh, when she realizes that, uh, well, like. She's still there, the the friend, mm -hmm. and uh, and then the uh, Ernest and Rose come back in uh, the living room and they're like you, you, and uh, and yeah. they have this whole fucking thing, this argument where uh, the friend is putting like a very like Haitian, like Haitian, heavy Asian accent, uh, just like making fun of what he thinks that Asian people sound like. Right? It's like, well, why'd you talk like that when uh, blah 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 when you hit me? He's like. Uh, fuck you. That's why. And, right. Uh, and, and, and the son points out something that is, is 
repeatedly occurring throughout the show. And he points out to his dad is you don't interact with anybody without addressing their race first. You have not addressed this person that we know as anything but an Asian this whole time criticizing, you know, her driving. And it's like, is it because she's a woman or an Asian? He's like, well, you know, a little bit of both. Yeah, that kind of thing. And uh, so, again, he is a complex character on the one hand. I think it makes it hard sometimes to find who you're identifying with. But I appreciate that, you know, something like All in the Family, you know more often. Even though there are episodes where you really are on Archie's side for some things. Yeah. It's still, I like being challenged and not having to, not having it spoon fed to me that I know who the the white cowboy hat and who the black cowboy hat is. Right. Exactly. You know, it's, I, I, I admire the show more than I like it, maybe. I know what you mean. Yeah. And uh, like, again, I, it's no All in the Family. All in the Family sure, is laugh yeah. out loud funny to this day. And this wasn't necessarily laugh out loud funny yeah. all the time. I, it was, I feel it, like it was happening more frequently in the later episodes. It definitely was. Yeah. yeah. It was still all based on like character development, like yeah. what they were saying, like what they feel and about like, certain things. If the show had, you know, had more time to find a groove, what could it have been? I, yeah. I mean, we couldn't go to recycling to even try to think about that because like I don't I don't know I was like I don't know what you would change other than maybe either waiting a few years before you attempted it because I feel like there could have been an audience for this but it just wasn't the right time I guess yeah like I don't know I, I think this was just well then um, yeah let's move to recycling then. yeah where we take elements of this show, show and turn it into something better you all know if you're listening to this <laughs> The, like the show? mini episode yeah. of a show that's been on for this long. I assume you know what this is, and you didn't pick this episode to start. And if you did, they're finally come talking, back. They're finally talking about seven hundred four Houser. I'm so glad. Yeah, all those uh, those house heads out there, <laughs> those houses. I, uh, I, I, you know, I don't know how in the holy hell this show would work now. I mean, who um, are who are we? To tell Norman Lear he could have done something better. <laughs> well, that too. But uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know if this type of because uh, I, I, I wouldn't say this is a satire. Like it's. Uh, I mean, it certainly has satirical elements. But w- what do you would think then separates it from all the family? As you know, that was a satire. Why isn't this a satire? Because you, you understand. I don't necessarily think anyone was wrong in the show a hundred percent of based on their, their character of like, cause I can completely understand why Ernest would feel the way that he feels because like being a black man of his generation in yeah, this country. And it's just like, yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's like, don't trust whitey. It's like, yeah. I, I totally get that. Like I, I totally understand that. I don't agree with him just like completely writing off characters, sure. especially with, which is the point. But I uh, think in satire, you don't always have to, especially when it's, three-dimensional characters have to agree with one character all the time sure sure but and, and but i don't think it was um a hundred percent funny enough to i don't know anyway i i, I don't know i don't know why I, I don't know how in the hell this could be done now because i think that people would if it was ever like remade uh today i think people would take the wrong things away from it like and and also like if it was done just the exact same show today like we said earlier, mm-hmm. I, I don't, everyone would be like, what the fuck? Uh, like, how could you tr- have this son? Like, it I would mean, just be the, very... The temperature of, of the country has changed. Yeah. Even, so, you know, 30 years ago. I, I mean, but that's why I appreciate about it, because it what it did feel like a, a more wholesome time where you could reach across the aisle and you wouldn't get shot. Uh, right. And, but like, 
I, I wonder if it would, if it, let's, okay, let's just take current politics today, mm-hmm. have the like, kind of the same situation, black family, and have, if the son was Republican, God, he would be a fucking annoying. Uh, well, it'd be like uh, the way that the Roseanne reboot, before she, you know, fucked up and got fired, yeah. that first season of the reboot, she is, her character voted for Donald Trump, and it's uh, a point of contention between her and her sister, mm-hmm. played by you know, Lori Metcalf, brilliant as always. She's got the pink uh, cat hat on, you know, remember that? Oh, oh, yeah. Yeah, and yeah, so yeah. there's a lot of, you know, sort of jesting at each other, but still love between those characters. So I think there there is a way to do that, but it would be very hard to achieve. And we see the fact that that show, it was a hit, but because of Roseanne's politics, personally, at some point, the network was like, oh, we don't want to do business with you anymore because yeah. it reflects poorly on us. Man, it would just have to be... Uh, it, the show would have to be just be crazy smart where... You know, it could be the where the son he voted for Trump because he's Republican and he didn't know what else to vote because he can't vote for Hillary. The party line and Hillary was you know the big boogie. And maybe it was more like like economic wise, just like well they gave us more tax breaks and kind of thing. Sure, (laughs) Um, not necessarily agreeing because I I know a lot of people because you know I'm white. uh, I know a lot of people who did vote for Trump that uh, you do. Well, I know family and ah uh, uh, yes we all have yeah we're from Texas yeah. so yeah uh, it's like yeah luckily that my family has not uh, fallen prey to that <laughs> most most of them well I, I have some you know I have a good, I suspect yeah I have a good like I would say 50 50 maybe like 40 60 uh 60 who did vote probably for Trump and 40 who didn't oh. um that uh that don't like the man but they did it out of like spite against Hillary and or also thinking, towing the party line. Right. That they're at least the policies they uh, are sympathetic with would be more likely to be right. Passed. And I think that would be at least interesting. I mean, it's, it's, it would be very fascinating to think about with again, a, a black family and like having the son do that and again in this day and age. Cause like, I I can't I can't fathom it's it's very difficult for me to understand. I mean, that would be a you know a fantasy series. <laughs> It'd be Westworld season five. Uh, what I would change is get rid of Joey Stivic, Archie's grandson, in the first episode because <laughs> he, he has no he, he was completely useless. He was just there to I you know. Uh, I my my mother grew up in this house, and I grew up uh, next door. Can I come and take a look? Yeah, and he like, just shows like, up. I remember and my grandfather. He and I would walk around the block, and he would yell at things. He would yell like at the times. neighbors. Yeah, yeah. And he's he's got he's got the facial hair of Rob Reiner from the series. Mm-hmm. It, I don't know. It feels very weird. And that's the biggest misstep I think of the whole series is that pilot episode. Yeah, yeah. I would say so. Um, and, uh, well, I, so I know we're that that was your recycling. Yeah, because I would just to take I that out. I was genuinely trying to figure out a way to do this, but it was I like, just don't know that I see a way to change it other than to have let it cook longer to see what we got. Yeah. Because um, I think, yeah, for it's, it's first six episodes of a series, it's, it's some the, of the best. Yeah. It's the only show that we've seen so far that's just like, I could have watched more of this and oh, yeah. see where this would have gone. And it's it's just unfortunate that, um, you know, that it was canceled uh, at five episodes in and we look at the season six. I guess in a way. I mean, the six was kind of the weakest. Yeah. Uh, and like, it, yeah, if it went on for at least a few more years to see like what else could have come about it. Cause mm-hmm. you know, 
like it would have been very interesting what 94 so what was it a couple years few years later when the whole uh monica Lewinsky thing happened like yeah what, so that was what 98 98 something yeah. like that so like what would have happened at that point and then sure, it would have been like when Watergate happened during the run of All in the Family, and that I mean, becomes a you know. And see, and that would have been very interesting because isn't uh, Lewinsky Jewish? Yes. Yeah. So, like, what would have Ernest thought have said and said about that? Yeah. And exploring, and, uh, yeah, the relationship between uh, Goody and Maura Tierney's character. Oh God! You're like, You're like because they've only been together for five months, and so we don't because at the end of that episode where they're finally going to have sex, she decides because he was doing it because she pressured him. She didn't want to, and yeah. that she's waiting for him to come around. Yeah. And so, like, what would have happened further down the road with their relationship? When would he have finally initiated? Like, it felt like we were building to Yeah, that. yeah. I mean, at that point, if it was lasting that long in the, in the years, like, just thinking about the whole, the Clinton administration, um, thinking about, like, uh, they've already been married at that point. Yeah. And maybe that would have been a huge point of contention. And then uh, the dad, or uh, uh, Thurgood coming up to the dad, like, what do I do? And it's like, well, and uh, like, I don't know. Like it, there's just a lot more is like, it's, it's a very interesting show. I like, I, I would yeah, go yeah. on. Sorry. No, no, but it's, it's interesting to look back and the way that you can look at all in the family or some of those shows reflecting their times and the politics and uh, events, current events. Yeah. And that if we could have seen, okay, well what all happened in the nineties, Lewinsky, all that stuff. Yeah. Like yeah. how could that have been implemented in a sitcom that was beyond we're going to crack a little reference and joke, wink, wink, about this topical thing rather than explore yeah. what that did to p conversations families were having. And yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, go on. Sorry. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, that that's kind of it. A uh, uh, trash takeaway. Um, um, you know, I uh, I have I haven't seen obviously a lot of uh, Norman Lear stuff. And um, I mean, you've forced me to watch a lot of all the family. I'm now. trying to better you. <laughs> and it's, um, it's not lost on me that he uh, obviously created some of the greatest shows of all time. It did sitcom wise. And, um, but, and also just shows and it's, it, it makes me um, miss. Like, I, I feel like that all sitcoms are almost trying to live up to how well characters were developed immediately <clears throat> blocked, like just staged in general. Mm. Like it, it felt like that um, this wasn't lost on him. There's like, well, this could still be a stage play. It should be almost just as engaging as a stage play would be. I mean, a he, really good stage play. All the actors on his shows, he would get from the theater. theater yeah. Yeah. He would see plays and th he saw B. Arthur in a play and it was like, she needs to be on TV. Right. And it's things like it's watching shows like this where like, man, I, I really miss watching a th three camera show, mm -hmm. uh, whether it be a sitcom or not. Like, I, I really miss that with like, you know, just really well written dialogue and like developed characters and just like, you know, great staging. But everything driven by emotion and like who those the core characters are like mm -hmm. who and uh, and what drives them just in general. And um and you just look at that. It's like, man, there's so many shows that are out there. Uh, and I think that they are doing it in their own way, but like nothing. And not, I'm not trying to herald this. Like this is one of the greatest sitcoms of all time, but just right. lost in time. But like it's, it shows like how much Norman Lear paid attention to that. Right. And, uh, and how it, he, it's no wonder that he made some of the greatest shit of all time. Yeah. He, he was a good, uh, observer. 
yeah of the human as, condition as uh john, john um, uh, um, uh amos uh said we watched oh, a little interview right. with him he's like he was he was listening all yeah. the time and i know it's a an insane thing to say uh somebody living to 101 and still feeling like maybe it was too soon that yeah. he was still working and in fact it's crazy he has four shows that he was producing that will be airing soon and one feels like a return to form it will be a three camera sitcom that he's been trying to get produced for the last three or four years and it was finally uh, greenlit on his 100th birthday amazon picked it up and it's uh, a sitcom that's very timely it's um george wallace the comedian he's like a comedian's comedian been around for decades uh he plays a small town uh car wash owner whose son it left town 20 years ago they haven't spoken the son returns, and it's Laverne Cox. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the father's right. acceptance of his trans daughter, yeah, and all of the complications. So, I'm very curious to see how that's executed because he was heavily involved in the development of the show, yeah. And so, maybe and it, that's all, the recycling the of reads. the show. Yeah, it's like okay, like what's what's the most timely thing you could talk about? Like at least in regards to how they're politicizing uh like you know yeah just these people, people existing they're yeah. yeah politicizing it but yeah but yeah so uh what'd you learn that was yeah so i learned that uh the medium of the sitcom is maybe i think it, it in this day and age the least respected in the television like medium almost taken for granted in a yeah. way yeah because it was you know the uh foundation outside of variety it was the foundation of american television yeah but i think that even more than some prestige dramas, which certainly uh, can change the way people view things mm-hmm. uh, and reflect society, I think sitcoms do a much better job of that because people they can are more to the general audience. Well, people are, yeah. are more open to learn when they're laughing. Yeah, and we see how that's changed with it normally shows introducing gay characters, and even in uh, as recent as Will and Grace, uh, they did polls and people's ideas of an acceptance of gay and homosexual people trans people changed even if the needle doesn't move you know massively yeah it still affects change in a way because people are more apt to accept someone when they understand their story a bit right and when they can laugh at or with them and it's it's unfortunate when it's like the two shows that come to my mind immediately where it's like i was like you didn't even fucking try was like big bang theory and mm-hmm. two and a half men Right, and, and that's like, more. What is this? It's chewing gum. Yeah, yeah. And it's like it, you brought nothing to the table except for like nerds are people too, and that's what Big Bang Theory said. And like, and I, I don't even know what Two and a Half Men really was trying to say. Is like, hey, men like the fuck. And I uh, think it was saying that if we keep Charlie Sheen busy, it's safest for all of us. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah. So if you haven't seen a lot of Norman Lear, I know on Amazon Freebie. All in the family, all nine seasons are streaming. Yeah. The Jeffersons, I would highly recommend checking out, especially those first five years are some of the best television from, you know, a, a time when the only depictions of black people on television, they were struggling. Yeah. And this was uh, upwardly mobile uh, people. And, and the Black Panthers inspired the show because they demanded after Good Times was on the air that we would like to see people of color depicted in a successful way rather than you know, paycheck to paycheck. Right. And uh, it's it, it has a lot of interesting stories to tell about race and class. And you know, so I'd recommend just uh, looking up Norman Lear. Maud has an abortion the first season of her series. Uh, so, yeah, there's it's I wish there was someone on television that knew comedy 
as well as he did. That was mm-hmm. also as brave as he was. Yeah. Yeah. I would t- totally agree. And um, it's uh, people were always respond. If like they understand the characters, they, they like them for even their faults. Mm-hmm. And, um, and if they have conviction, like if they yeah. have that, a lot of things will come from that just natural like and also genuine conflict rather than just like what if we like put a couch in between them and they don't know what to do with it right it's like what that doesn't fucking mean anything and uh, it's like what really drives these characters and if it builds conflict out of that then that's what people what that's why people will come back to is like well what will happen this week because you know it's just a fucking normal sitcom really in the end with this show is like right like what's what happened what pisses off someone this week and it's like that's what drives people back to it is like I want to see these characters hopefully even like develop over time like you know all the family did right and and reflect the world that I live in yeah so you should I mean we would we would recommend this I'm assuming yeah it's it's on YouTube I'd say uh, if you haven't seen all in the family or any of that stuff start there sure. and if you get around to 704 Hauser great because I do think it's uh, something that I it's worth having existed and I wish people remembered it mm-hmm because uh, it's certainly better than some of the spinoffs uh, of All in the Family, specifically Gloria, the Sally Struther spinoff. That is unwatchably bad. Why didn't we do that? Because I don't. I wanted to watch this because <laughs> I hadn't seen it, and I knew it, ca- it was canceled early. I didn't know if it was good. I just knew normally it was involved. He just died. Give me a break. Uh, it, it is it, just like Trash in the Can. Like every now and then we watch something. Like wait, I think that was genuinely yeah, we a good. Accidentally thing. watch something good. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's a nice sorry? reprieve. Or I'm sorry. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. Uh, definitely. Yeah. Check out Norman Lear. Uh, pour one out for Norman and mm-hmm. read his book. It's a great book. There's a doc. It's called uh, Even This I Get to Experience. And there's a documentary I'd recommend called Just Another Version of You. Mm. So uh, yeah, do your research, do your homework, and uh, if you want to write. I think that uh, the class conducted by Norman Lear in uh, the form of all the shows he wrote is a good place to start. Oh, wow. Um, I'm not going to say anything funny to close out the show? No, no, no. Uh, I feel like uh, we should do like one of those episodes where, like the episode where Edith is sexually assaulted on her birthday, where we just end in a, a hushed silence. <laughs> I mean, giggling. Yeah, there's always one person in the audience uncomfortably laughing. (laughs) Bye, Norman. When the sun goes down, my clothes start looking fine. Intro song Too Easy and outro song Charlotte's Web, both provided by the wonderful White Ghost Shivers. Please follow them on all social media outlets, as well as find their music wherever great music is sold.